Hello and welcome to the Herbicane Podcast. My name is Simon Osmo and I'm a former UK police detective turned entrepreneur and mindset coach. And on this podcast, I talk with impactful individuals from around the world who have navigated a life pivot, found themselves for a self-discovery to find that thing that we've all been looking for, a happy and fulfilled life. So the excuses are over, my friend. It's time to change our thinking so that we can change our lives and come join me as we dive into this week's conversation to learn how they became who they became. Friends, welcome back to the Who I Became podcast. This is episode 55. I'm Simon Osmo, and I'm so glad that you are here. Now, today's guest is Jesse Bradley. Now, Jesse is a pastor, he is an author, motivational speaker, and a former professional soccer player playing in America, Scotland, and Africa. Well, his career was cut short when he was prescribed malaria tablets whilst playing soccer in Africa, and his body had such an adverse reaction it took him 10 years to recover and ultimately ended his soccer career. But he has so much wisdom in how he pivoted his life, how he rebuilt and found a new purpose. And today's action step for you, this episode resonates with you. If you get something out of the story that Jesse is going to share, please send it to a friend or someone in your circle of influence. Tell them what you like and encourage them to listen to the podcast because we have just broken into the top 2% of all global podcasts. So a big thank you for those of you that show up week in, week out, listen to the episode and do what you can to help me grow by sharing it with your friends and family. So it means an awful lot to me. It really does. Now, each week, every Thursday, 5 p.m. US Central Time, within the social media or social audio app Clubhouse, I actually teach a lesson on podcasting for those people in the first 12 months. So what I want to say to you is, have you ever considered starting a podcast? If you are a yes or maybe, please head over to my personal website, which is just simonosimo.com. And I would love to come alongside you and share what I've learned over the last two years into how to grow my podcast into a top 2% global. So please go head over to my website, simonosimo.com, if that is of interest to you. But without further ado, let's just dive into this week's conversation, episode 55 with Jesse Bradley. Well, Jesse Bradley, welcome to the Overcame Podcast. Simon, I'm so glad to be here with you today. I love what you're all about. And this podcast, it thrills me that you're in America, UK, Africa. I mean, there's just so many people connecting with you. So thank you for inviting me and excited to share my story. Yeah, and I know this is going to be an interesting conversation for us. And I hope it is for our listeners because we are two soccer guys as well. So or, or I should say football for my English listeners. I don't want to uh, keep offending my English audience, but hey, Jesse, you are a former professional soccer player. You're an author, a motivational speaker, a radio host, and you're now a pastor of Grace Community Church. I guess, is there anything that you can't do, Jesse? <laughs> There's plenty. I'll tell you, parenting's an adventure every week. And so that's, true. That, that's one that's pretty fresh, but uh, I enjoy my kids. I enjoy, you know, time at home and I think we're all lifelong learners. That's the goal is that, you know, there's always a next step and I want to continue to be developing. And I hope that's true of everyone listening today. And let's learn from each other. 
Absolutely. And I always love to see people's stories. I mean, I think when I saw you on social media somewhere, I think I was captivated by this professional sort of sports um, player to pass them because there's generally a story in there. Sometimes people sort of make that disposition in life or determination, whatever you choose to call it, quite early on. But I know that you weren't born with faith. Um, faith isn't how you started your journey. So I was excited to really sort of get that, get that out. But maybe do you mind just sharing a little bit about sort of what you do now and then we'll go back and sort of chart your life? That sounds great. Yes, Grace Community Church is here in Seattle. I never thought I would be a pastor. Well, I didn't expect to be a Christian either. I think that sometimes in life, the greatest things you experience are not things you actually plan and they're surprises. And there were things in me that I didn't even know were in there. And part of that self-discovery is really talents and abilities, passion, ways that you want to help people. And growing up, I was very focused on sports. But right now, being a pastor in Seattle is so fulfilling. It's basically a way to serve. And I think for a lot of people, that's what your work is all about. How can you serve people? What solutions? What needs do people have? And what can you bring the table to improve their lives? And not just individuals' lives, although it's often starting one-on-one, but then a greater community. And here in Seattle, I'm connected and leading with, uh, really, it's unity. It's about 100 churches and ministries that have come together to make a difference. And in addition to that, I'm also you know, thrilled to be able to jump on podcasts or radio television. I was a syndicated radio host for a while and spread hope, spread hope to the nations. And that's what I love doing, waking up every day. Uh, and it really comes out of a personal experience for me. Spiritual life was not something I was interested in, really didn't think much of it, didn't even think God existed growing up. And once you taste and see something that's really good, you just want to share it with other people. So when it comes to hope, I feel like I'm drinking from this deep well, and I just want to let other people know that there's living water. There's something really satisfying, and we're involved in our community in so many ways, meeting physical needs, uh, building up relationships, and then also spiritual. The, The work that I get to do is all the above. I mean, it's from marriages that are stumbling to someone that's just looking for how do I pay the bills this month and someone else in the middle of a job change to someone else with deep questions about God or wondering how to pray. And I just love the full range. I love the team I have right here too. So I'm very grateful. And I know that's a big, uh, you know, I read your bio and it's on your website. And that is a big difference from um, things that you wanted to do when you grew up. I think on your website, it says from a very early age, it could even been sort of like three or four, you said to your parents, you know, you want to be a professional sort of athlete. And that's what you achieved sort of um, um, playing soccer. So very, very different from where you wanted to be to where you are now. But I'm going to love sort of diving into your journey a bit more. But maybe tell us about your soccer career then. So how did um, that come about? I know you went to Dartmoor College and then you sort of played in Africa. You played a bit in Europe. Um, You played somewhere which is very cold and close to to my home back in Scotland as well. So I'm intrigued to learn how, how you end up in those places. That's right. You know, I grew up in Minnesota, where you are right now. Simon, so you're used to the cold then. You're used to it, yeah. That was great training for a Scotland winter. Yes. You know, the temperatures are so low in Minnesota and so much snow. And Scotland was freezing cold and raining and windy all the time. And it, it was preparing me. Didn't know the future, but it was preparing me. And, you know, grew up in Minnesota. I grew up literally on the campus, the University of Minnesota. My first apartment where my family lived was in the parking lot of the football stadium. In the shadow of the Golden Gophers, started to discover so many different sports. Part of my sports journey, I think, is linked to my parents getting divorced when I was seven. 
And that is so painful for a child. It was so painful for me when the two pillars, the two people I care most about and love so much, they're suddenly not together anymore. And it really creates a void. My dad had moved out of state. It was mainly my mom and I growing up together. And that void, I think, drove me towards academics and also towards athletics. And those were two areas where I could apply myself. I you know, necessarily couldn't control everything, but those were two areas where I could improve, grow, learn, and then see the fruit of that. And that's where I, passion for sports, sports has always been an arena and a part of my life where there's just this pure joy. And it's so much fun to play and the relationships and the teamwork. It is almost like an escape in some ways from some of those painful realities. And playing sports, I played three in high school. We won state championship twice in Minnesota, the Metrodome. You know, we had about 6,000 fans, so a huge turnout, and then played at Dartmouth, which was Division One, and we won the Ivy League title twice. My junior year, we made it to the final eight, the Elite Eight in the NCAA Division One tournament. We lost to Alexi Lawless and Rutgers, uh, and I just knew ever since I was a young kid that I wanted to play professional sports. Basketball was my number one sport, and, you know, I had a good high school career, I think my senior year was about 20 points a game, but I knew for college, I would probably only play division three because I wasn't quite quick enough, tall enough to, I wouldn't have a professional career. And that's when I stayed focused on soccer, being a goalkeeper. And it was Buzz Lagos, who's a legend in Minnesota, great coach who saw me playing basketball and said, I think we've got a goalkeeper here. And he started to train me. And, uh, you know, from that training, just continuing to learn from Buzz over the years and played on different Olympic development teams and you know, at the end of college, wanted to continue to play. That was the dream. And fortunately, I had a coach in college, Bobby Clark, who is a legend in Scotland. He also coached in you know, Africa, New Zealand. He's coached, he's a national championship coach at Notre Dame, Stanford. I mean, he's just been a number of places. And he brings an environment and a culture that's so positive. It's like family. And also, uh, the level of soccer is extremely high. And through Bobby and through the team and our success, I was able to play after college as well and just loved it, enjoyed enjoyed it at every level. And, you know, I think my faith journey in many ways helped me in my journey in sports, but we can come back to that later. Uh, I'd just say to anyone that's out there, if you have the opportunity to play for a great coach, find the great coach. And, you know, because the great coach creates the team and the culture, and then the learning that can happen, and just the joy of the sport, the joy of the locker room. And so find that great coach, and then just enjoy playing, savor it. You know, if you have health, if you're able to have a long career, what a blessing. And just continue to move forward with determination and development. And I love hearing your passion and enthusiasm for the game of sort of soccer stroke football, because I get a lot of stick over here by my American friends saying, you know, it's, it's just, it's, you know, it's a, it's a game for whims or it's not a good sport. And I remind them and say, it is the biggest sport in the world. You know, it's, it's not American football and this this baseball World Series of the only country that really plays it outside of Japan, you know. So I have to try and give a, a couple of hooks yeah. back. But so I'm not, I'm not hearing your passion. This is going to make a highlight reel. I'm going to give it to my, <laughs> give it to my American friend. So tell me about that then. I mean, that, that's, that's still a bit of a perception today. But hey, soccer, that's just what girls play, right? That's, that's a girls' sport and stuff. But I mean, soccer is... It is the biggest sport in, in the world. I mean, sort of, what did you experience growing up? Were people pro you playing soccer? Were they challenging you saying, Jesse, that's not really a, a real sport? What did it look like for you growing up? 
That's right. The relationship between soccer and America is an interesting one. We had, you know, the Minnesota Kicks for a while, outdoor team, professional, NASL, and then indoors. When I was growing up, it was the Minnesota Strikers playing indoor soccer. And it felt like indoor soccer was this attempted compromise because a lot of times Americans are looking for more goals and also just more collisions. <laughs> when you put the game and you shrink it indoors, like you get both, you get goals and collisions and it seemed to be pretty popular. I tried to turn it into American football, man. That's what it sounds like it did, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, and it, it isn't quite the pure version. And then for Americans too, they haven't seen the beautiful game played, you know, overseas. A lot of them, this is going back. They didn't watch it on ESPN. You know, maybe they had soccer made in Germany or something or the World Cup, they get a glimpse. But they, they weren't able to see the excellence and catch that passion. I believe so much in life is caught and taught. And if it's not happening around you, I mean, the top athletes in America so often were going to different sports and soccer wasn't even a consideration. But when you get a global perspective, you start to travel around the world and you get to see, you know, those stadiums and you get to hear the noise. And then you realize the fans, they're so tuned in to the details of the game. It's like when I played in Scotland, they're cheering over the smallest little moves, positioning, runs that are off the ball. They appreciate all those things. And I think if you didn't grow up with the game, sometimes you don't see that. And offsides doesn't make sense. And how come they never score? And, you know, the questions get poured in, but uh, it grows on you and you acquire that taste. Uh, and, and really, when you see it on a world level, it's phenomenal. There's no close second sport. I mean, soccer is for the world. And I think Americans sometimes have been frustrated why they haven't been able to put together a World Cup team that, you know, competes at that top level and sometimes struggling to make the World Cup. But there's some essential ingredients, I think. You, you need your best athletes playing a sport. You need to see the pictures of the professional game. You need to see it grassroots, where kids are just playing it in the streets and in the playground and just playing it in their free time. And I think you need great coaching. And it takes time for a nation to turn from, you know, 50th ranking in the world to 20th ranking. You know, that's huge steps or even get up to number 10. And all this development, it does take time, but it's, it's people like yourself who, even though you get the criticism and the jabs, it's like you continue and you see with your kids what they're experiencing. And you've got, you know, a child right now that is playing at, at a high level at a young age. And that's so exciting. All my four kids play, but I couldn't force that on them. And, and not all of them share the same passion. Some of them just do it recreationally. But uh, yeah, that's a little bit of a tangent on American no, soccer. No, it's good because if people can hear this, that's for mic drop. There you go. Enough <laughs> <laughs> so we can we can close this episode out now, and I can call this like you know uh, American bad mouths. You know, Americans about soccer. I like it. It's, it's done, Jesse. It's everything's done. Yeah, but no, but, that's it. but it but it is good. And it, it, yeah, and it is. You're right. I mean, it is time that's going to take to to pass. And you know, I mean, uh, what are we? Three hundred thirty million population. There's going to be a time where America is going to start surpassing other nations just because of sheer volume of, of people and it's definitely getting getting bigger and stuff but i know you know i like to talk about sort of um, pivots and transformations and discoveries and within your career there was definitely a, a big one because i read that when you were playing in africa you took some um, malaria tablets and it caused a near-death experience and that really changed your mindset so do you mind sharing um, that that incident yeah that's right. I think it's important with pain points. We all have them. You know, what can we learn from them? How do we grow during that time? What shifts and pivots do we make? Who do we become? And, and I believe the painful times in life are the defining times of life. 
And I, you know, tragically lost my professional soccer career at that point. I was fighting for my life for a year. It took 10 years to fully recover. And it was something that completely blindsided me because I took a prescribed medication. It's what the doctors, you know, told me to take every week and to protect me from malaria, which was extremely dangerous in Zimbabwe. And I took that medication, not ever hearing about or even thinking about realizing that there could be potential side effects that are extremely serious. And the drug built up toxic levels in my system. Physically, my heart started to beat 160 beats a minute. And that was just resting, sitting still. And the drug inhibits the inhibitors. So the heart regulation was gone, atrial flutter, uh, skipping beats, heart murmur, pain in the left side of my chest, just day and night. And the doctors didn't know if I would make it or not. And there's nothing I could do. And the doctors couldn't prescribe anything to counteract the drug. I just had to let it run its course, a half-life of a month. Uh, there were crazy dreams. There were um, moods, uh, panic attacks, depression. I had never experienced side effects of the drugs, sweats and chills, fatigue. I mean, migraine headaches, double vision. I could go on. It's a long wow. list, but uh, so intense. And uh, for me during that time, a couple of shifts happened. First of all, I didn't realize that my identity was in my performance. And that's easy. I think there's a lot of people that it's the accolades, the achievements, and you start to shift and that's where your identity is. And I didn't know when soccer was gone, when the fans were gone, I didn't have, you know, a career path at that point with soccer gone, that, you know, who am I? That was the question at the core of it, who am I? And I shifted from, you know, being defined as a soccer player to instead God and his love. And there's so many other things I could lose, my health, my career, finances, but what, is going to be there all the time is God and his love. And that was in the deepest place. Your identity is where you drop your anchor. And and that for me was a new foundation. Uh, I also started to write down 10 things a day I'm grateful for, uh, really an attitude of gratitude where I'd be intentional because I could easily focus on what I lost, but how much healthier to be thankful and each day be grateful for what I still have. And in addition to that, you know, shifting from soccer to now becoming a pastor, Part of that was a faith journey that included learning how to pray, that it wasn't just intellectual and theological, but I was also going to pour out my heart to God. I had to give him burdens because I couldn't carry it all. And I had to learn how to do that. And just charting my physical progress, making goals where, you know, during the course of that year, I could now walk 20 minutes. That was, you know, a huge breakthrough. And my heart wasn't racing and I could walk 20 minutes. I just was so grateful for that too. Uh, there were a lot of things during that time where sometimes in life it's going one way and then it's not going that way anymore. And it was out of your control. And now you've got to figure out where are you going and uh, that new direction. It's humbling to change careers. I, I never thought I'd be a pastor. I mean, just in a nutshell, spiritually, my family is like Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors. We really have everything. I mean, atheist, agnostic, Jewish, rabbi, Catholic, ex-Catholic. There's just so many different beliefs in my family. And for me, I just rejected it. When I got to Dartmouth, I took a class, Introduction to World Religions, and we read the different texts. And as I considered the different religions, I read the Bible for the first time. It was the Gospel of John. Now, the professor is not a Christian, but I'm learning about Jesus and asking a lot of questions. And there was a Christian there. He was in the track team. His name was Mike. And he was a quiet, just humble guy and just continued to be there for me and answer questions. And I kicked the tires hard. I thought, if I'm going to believe something, it's got to have evidence. And when I looked at who Jesus is, it came down to a decision. C.S. Lewis says, when anyone in history claims to be 
the Savior, the Messiah. It's one of three options. They're a liar. They know they're lying and they're not. They're a lunatic. They're just out of their mind. <laughs> or they're the Lord. And I, I had to make a decision that Jesus is, is he just a good teacher? Well, he's claimed to be God. He can't just be a good teacher, a nice guy, or, you know, even a prophet is something more here. And, and it's really the grace that, that changed. It's a relationship. It's not earned. It's not performance, not based on rules and rituals and religion. This is a relationship. And I'll tell you, when that happened in my life, my sophomore year at Dartmouth, suddenly, like for soccer, instead of putting all this pressure on myself, Soccer just started to find its place in my life where it really fit. And, and it wasn't just number one and dominating everything. It's like, no, it's good. It's sport. But I can't take myself too seriously or put too much pressure on myself and just kind of landed in the right spot. And I started to forgive people and that I never forgave before and love people. And it was just a lot of changes happened. Even reconciliation with my dad came out of that and things I didn't plan. But all of that, um, I didn't plan to be a pastor. But all of that led to later on growing in my faith and seeing that actually this is a fit for what I'm going to do after soccer. And so just so I get it right in my mind, I've got the order. So when you're in um, Africa and you took this malaria, did you already yeah. have some faith then or, or was this was this everything post? I wasn't yeah. sure. That. I was, yeah. So it was just a few years after I decided to follow Jesus. I was kind of a new Christian and I never read the Bible growing up. I just didn't have much there in terms of, um, again, I go back to that foundation. There, there's a something Jesus said that if you trust him, walk him, listen to him, you know, follow him, your house is going to be like a house on the rock, not a house on the sand. And the streams are going to rise and the wind's going to come, the storms are going to come. And this was like the biggest storm in my life, you know, that and my parents getting divorced. And it shook me because it was emotional. It was, you know, out of my control. It was physical. It was my career. It, it was so many things. I had to move back into my parents' basement. You know, they were listening each night, like on a baby monitor, just to make sure I'm breathing okay and there's not too much heart pain and there's no emergency happening. And all of this to transpire, um, I was really trying to get my footing in so many areas. But yes, I, I did know God going into that. And now it was time to get real and go deep. And interestingly, my, my mind was drifting when you turned that story. I'm thinking professional sports. Um, you know, Christianity, there's most probably either a clash or there's this sort of some things that you don't um, sort of talk about. You know, it's mostly at a stage where you should have mentioned things. Did you ever feel that where you, you're building this passion um, for the Lord, but, you're, but you felt either maybe um, people weren't open to listening as you as an athlete? Um, mm -hmm. did, did that question make sense, Jesse? Yeah, you know, athletes do have such a platform and you get to share so many different things in your life. And I remember in college, we would have, you know, we'd work with the kids in, in the community and then they would come in and we would sign autographs and get to know them. And you just all athletes, whether it's high school, you know, college, you just have some incredible platform. And I and I did find that people were interested in not only, you know, me as a soccer goalkeeper, but then also part of my story and even, you know, my faith. And there were opportunities that came up in college, other teams on campus. I was able to just share with them part of my journey and my faith. And we started an FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So it, it did seem to come together. And even I mentioned the soccer team is even want to, you know, gather and pray before a game. And a lot of the guys turned out. And so the two were going along. I just never thought I'd be a pastor. I never thought I'd go into ministry or work at a church. You know, I, I really didn't see that one coming at all. But these two, yeah, passions in my life, it's like, how are they going to play out? And when soccer was eliminated, 
uh, I just just kept taking the next step with my faith. And I just figured I couldn't find satisfaction for me on the inside in life. And I had friends and, you know, we were winning the Ivy League title parties, you know, grades, great school. And I couldn't figure out something was missing. And, and what is that? When I found it and I had that peace and joy and still have it in the deepest place in my life. And it even transcends some of the circumstances I'm in. I mean, I feel pain and, and I have disappointment. I have all the emotions. But this is like so much deeper. I just want other people to at least have an opportunity to experience that. And that desire continued to grow. And, and I find that maybe you're in the middle of a changing your career and you're trying to figure it out. Like, where is that joy? Where is um, that sense, almost a positive compulsion? Like, I want to help. I, I want to make a difference in this area. And it's okay if it's way bigger than you and you don't have it all figured out. Uh, it's been so much learning through the journey, but take that next step. And what's that next right thing and that next step? And it's hard to steer a parked car. So start moving in that direction and then watch what happens. And you're just going to see it because people are going to affirm your gifts. You're going to see the fruit of changed lives. Uh, that's going to continue to increase as you take a next step forward. And what I like about you, Jesse, when I was looking on your website, you're, you're a bit like me, but you know, I've written a couple of books, but I hate writing as just as much as I do, do reading as well. And I think your website said that you're the same, you know, you're an accomplished author, but you're, you're not a big fan of writing. So, but it's interesting when I, when I hear that, I hear you talk, you know, about your career and stuff, you seem to be successful no matter what you do. And obviously, you know, you're a very strong man of faith and you're, you're a pastor, so you, you'd expect those two to go together. But there's also something inside of you, which is most probably outside of your faith, which just are some characteristics and personal traits. I mean, what are those things that drive you to become successful no matter what you do? Because there's people that listen and say, well, I've been talking about writing a book for 10 years and I've never done it. I've been talking about writing a book for 20 years, but you seem to have that mindset where you can identify these things and just be successful. You know, you went from basketball to um, being, a, being a goalie in soccer, which but my mind, Jesse, they're very different. <laughs> they're very different things. So I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess my short question is, I mean, what, what is it about you that has this mindset where you can achieve these goals? Because you, whatever you try, you seem to be successful at. Uh, you're kind. Uh, praise the Lord for any success. <laughs> I, I well, the fifty dollars that you paid me, Jesse, does help as well for the kindness. <laughs> so yeah, just... <laughs> is that all it was? Uh, you give me like a $500, you know, uh, affirmation for $50. Uh, you know, um, I would say this, letting people into my weakness and my pain and my disappointment was a real key. And as an athlete, I always wanted to present well. You think of social media, I always want to present well. As an athlete, it's all about success. You don't show your competition, your weaknesses. You just put your best foot forward. And that was my mindset in so many different things. And when I went through this illness in Africa, it was so humbling because uh, there was just, it, it crushed me. It crushed me. And, and I kind of thought, you know, I didn't come from a family where you show a lot of tears. Instead, you just try harder and you persevere. And I had to learn a whole new mech way of coping. And this would include letting people in, sharing with people, you know, some tears uh, the uncertainty, the disappointment, the grieving, all these things that I never really did, I've got to do it to be healthy. And so to let people in and then to let God in, because I had this image of God initially that he was interested in my success. Like he liked it when I got good grades and he liked it 
when I had friends and I was winning championships and I was, you know, shutouts and all that, like that's what he loved. But how does he really feel about me when I make a bad choice and when I mess up and when I don't have the abilities I used to have and when I don't feel good about myself and like, where is he there? And I think the fullness of life is is when you can celebrate things, but also uh, receive, receive help, be transparent, be vulnerable, be honest. And uh, I just feel like um, I want to be someone who's consistent, like on the outside and the inside. I don't want two stories. I don't want one story that people know on the outside and a different story on the inside. I don't want to be someone in public that's different than someone in private. And um, I mean, that's going to be a lifelong goal. But to me, you know, how do you measure success? There's nothing greater than love. <laughs> that, that's where I'd start. And, and then I think authenticity is important. Uh, relationships. I mean, the quality of life is the quality of our relationships. And you know, one temptation I have in the role I'm in, there's a lot of serving, a lot of needs, is to only bring leftovers home and that my family's secondary, you know, and then my work just takes over. So I fight that to get that right balance every week too. So um, what, what I'd say is I think that um, everyone is gifted. Everyone's story is important. And sometimes your greatest connection is going to be through actually the mistakes you've made and the pain you've gone through and how you can understand other people and encourage them and come alongside of them. And so don't fall into that trap of having to lead a double life or imposter syndrome or you can't be real. But instead, you're going to touch lives and change lives through two things. One is going to be your incredible gifts. And everyone is so gifted. I see a lot of people that downplay their gifts. And I think for all of us, we don't want to be deflated. We don't want to be inflated. We don't want to be full of ourselves. Uh, at the same time, we don't want to be down on ourselves. And to just realize that you've been given a lot of gifts, opportunities, resources, talents, and relationships, and enjoy those, flourish in those, fan the flame with those, but then also there's going to be the unplanned and the painful times that if you let people in and it's a healing process and you share from those and you're vulnerable in those, you're going to see incredible things happen. And so uh, the mindset's huge. And you use that word and I didn't really fully go there, but that's what I just initially say, that it's a both and and uh, develop your talents and your strengths and then also um, let people in and be real about the areas where you've been hurt and what your healing journey has been like too. And a quote came to my mind. I think Socrates once um, said about the best way to live with honor in this life is to be who we pretend to be. And I think that is, um, that is a hard thing for, for all of us is to have the inward interior to be the same as the exterior. Cause we always want to paint our life to be out as the best, the best means possible. And um. Funny, I interviewed a young guy from the UK uh, called David Hayes. If people want to go back to that um, episode, they should go and take a listen because one of the things that he said, and uh, he fell on hard times, found himself incarcerated in prison in England, um, but he was in his mid-20s, I believe, at the time, or late-20s, and he said one of the things that he struggled with is that his life had been so successful. He was a trader in the city of London and had wealth and had these things, but he'd never experienced failure before. So the first time that he did fail, he just went into a spiral and, you know, and his life got out of, out of control. It took him a while to sort of level set and you know, obviously a prison sentence gave him some plenty of time to reflect on there. So it is, it is true. But I think for us as humans, it's also very challenging, though, Jesse, isn't it, to really be open and, and admit when we're struggling. But that is when the greatest transformation happens. 
It really is. And we kind of have to get raw sometimes, uh, even desperate sometimes. We have to take, we have so many walls up, you know, whether it's past hurts or trying to maintain an image, protect ourselves. And we wonder, will we still be liked? Will still people, you know, care about us, respect us? But I think when that humanity comes out, it's like there's a connection there. I find that in the youngest generation that they're not going to put up with stuff unless it's authentic and, and they don't want it canned and they don't want it you know, just to show on the outside, like what's real and, uh, and to drive there. And, and I would say too, you know, as you brought up mindset, sometimes the greatest battle in life is just between your ears and it's your mind. And what are you thinking about? There's something that helped me so much in the Bible where it says, you know, what's true, what's noble, what's right. Think about these things and really to guard that space. And I like to call it the power of the second thought, where the first thought that comes into your mind, you can't always control it. I mean, my minds are active, creative. We think all sorts of things. And sometimes it's terrible. It's selfish. It's, you know, lustful. It's, it's proud. It's, you know, just a bad idea. There's so many thoughts that come in. You can't control that first thought, but you can choose to not harbor it, entertain it. And instead, you replace it and you choose intentionally your second thought. And when you start getting in that habit, uh, for me, I was a goalkeeper. So, you know, the picture thoughts coming in, what's going to stick? I'm just not going to let some thoughts stick. Uh, I'm going to choose a second thought that's good. So my first thought might be revenge. My first thought's bitterness, resentment, but I'm going to choose to forgive and, and then start to walk down a healing process, you know, or, or that, that first thought is um, failure. The first thought is discouragement. It's like, no, I'm not going to let that stick. Uh, and in that habit, of um, you know mindset and protecting your thought life is massive. And when you win victories in your mind, it's going to play out in every area of your life. And there's a renewing of the mind. And, and that's where, again, I, I go to the Bible and, and what does God say? And, and that renewing of the mind is so helpful and it touches every part of life. So mindset is massive. And I, I'm grateful that um, when it's going the wrong direction, there's another option that's better. And that's where, I just think that's where so much happens is in between the ears and how you view life, how you view other people, how you view yourself, replace the lies with the truth. And that's going to set you up for victory. If you haven't written a book about the first thought and the second thought, Jesse, you should do because I would buy it. I know. Do, do you have a book on that? No, it's just been something I've been saying. Uh, right, one, been, right one before someone else does. Yeah. Okay. All right, Simon. Uh, thank you. Appreciate that. You know, um, in sport, there's so much discipline and we would watch everything. You know, what's your fat count? You know, VO2 tests. What's your capacity? Flexibility tests. What about that? Then you work on your skills and practices. And there's just so much discipline there. And I think that can just building in those habits, start to move into other areas of life. And there's discipline in, in so many areas that benefit us. It's not a legalistic discipline. It's just, it creates space for what's most important. And that discipline of the mind, moving out the junk, creates space for what's most life-giving. And uh, yeah, so you're right. I, I could talk about that for quite a while. A, a that's either an Amazon bestseller or a New York Times bestseller or a Christian Publish him in the middle where Jesse, you, you've got to, you've got to write, write that wisdom down. Cause that, that is great, great wisdom. But as we, as we start to wrap up, I've got one question I'd like to ask you about. So, you know, your career in soccer, your time in ministry, 
you know, you're an author, you've been a syndicated radio host. What is the one biggest sort of self-discovery you've had about yourself? I mean, we're just covering a lot about mindset, but what is the one biggest self-discovery you found about yourself in your life? You know, I'm still surprised how quickly life passes. And I think for me, I live with a sense of urgency. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to pour my whole self into it. And I just encourage people to find something. What would you die for? Like what means so much to you? Because relationships are a risk to really touch and change lives. There's going to be a high cost. There's going to be people who throw shade, who misunderstand you, criticize you. The cost is going to be high. But what do you want said at the end of your life? And, you know, for me, uh, I, I, well, for me, my primary passion is Jesus. And that's how my life has played out. So, Especially followed by soccer. Yes, we know that. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Soccer gets an honorable mention. And, and there's, you know, families are, are close to there uh, behind the Lord. But uh, for me, it's like, I just want people to have the opportunity. I'm not going to force anyone. I'm not going to manipulate anyone. But what I've experienced in life that's good, like I just want to give people the opportunity to experience that. So for me, you know, relationship with God has been so fulfilling. Uh, for me, uh, adoption, we adopted a child. I think that came out of some of that pain of, uh, you know, my parents got divorced and dad wasn't around. It's like, I want to be part of that healing process. I'm an adoption advocate. We're seeing so many people at our church adopt, you know. I want every child to have a forever family and to have a home and to receive that support and love. And sometimes your greatest passions are going to come out of your pain. And, you know, when I um, see people suffering, like I know what it's like to have those heart issues. And someone this week, you know, is just going through that right now. I know what the physical heart when that's not working right. So I, I, I just love to try to step in and share what's worked for me. And uh, and, and I think over the years, I would say be bolder and not worry so much about what everyone's thinking. Just if you know something's good and it's going to help people, just run with it and go with it with all your heart. And uh, I just love connecting with people from different generations, nations. Um, it was easy for me to kind of get stuck in a Christian bubble. And I've had to be intentional because I don't want to be in just that bubble and be intentional to break out of that. So I'd encourage people to break out of some of those cultural norms or some of those places where everyone just kind of looks like you and acts like you and talks like you and build those relationships, love your neighbor, even if they disagree with you, like love your neighbor. Well, there's, if for all of us, there's going to be nothing greater than love, loving God, loving people. I mean, to me, that's the essence of life. And it's interesting, as you said that one thing that came to my mind and, um, you know, if there's any religious listeners, they'll know this line well, Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I said to someone recently, but that is a popular, you, know, you see it on, if you're, even if you're a non-believer, you see it on American football players underneath their eyes and on, on scarves and t-shirts and stuff. But the reason why that verse came to my mind, it tied into that if you go back two verses, what um, Paul actually says is, but I know what it's like to live with plenty and I know what it's like to live without. I can do all things yeah. with Christ who gives me strength. And it really reminded me of you then because you've had a lot of things positive in your life. Uh, and you've had a lot of things taken away from you, and it's really in your faith, but it's given you given you strength. So, um, yeah. incredible, incredible conversation. Great to talk to you. That's a great verse. And and you I'm know, showing off my knowledge here. So I don't. Hey, I don't know here you go. Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're rolling. You're <laughs> preaching, brother. You're <laughs> preaching. And and I just that verse to me says two things. One is contentment. 
you know, I can do all things, meaning that I can have true contentment in every situation because it's not based on circumstance. And the other one is the ceiling. And, and I love that, you know, there's so many just glass ceilings. We, we limit ourselves in so many ways. And instead, with the right mindset and training and like reliance on the Lord, like God can do immeasurably more than all you can ask, think or imagine. And I just love that combination that you're coming from a place of contentment. You're rooted in love. But then the fruit can go far beyond what you could ever predict. And when you're in that spot in life, I mean, you just wake up every day, like you're grateful, you look forward to it, and you're just like, game on, let's go. This is this is exciting. Well, Jesse, I mean, in your role as a pastor, it is knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, and you've definitely got all three. So I mean, it's been uh, an honor and a privilege to, to talk to you, talk about your soccer career, you know, your time in ministry, and just, you know, hear so much, so much about you. And there's, so many things that I had in my mind, let's go here, but we've, we've just run out of time. So there, there could be another podcast or an offline conversation, but it's been, been really fun to talk to you. Simon, uh, your story is inspiring. And I just love the, the places you've lived and how you bounce back from adversity, the many different fields that you have, your heart to serve people. And this is your podcast, Connecting with Everyone. I mean, we could have flipped this and I could have interviewed you today. Here's the thing, Jesse. I'd never been interviewed on this podcast. Maybe, maybe you should be that person. We can turn it around. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. I think you should share yeah, your story on this yeah. podcast. Well, Excellent. If, if I'm going to be interviewed by someone on my podcast, my youngest son, Mason, a soccer player, would say it should be a retired Minnesota Thunder um, player. So <laughs> maybe, 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 there you go. We're cheering Mason on too. Both your boys. Yeah. You got special boys. Well, well, hey, Jesse, I know obviously, you know, if there is anyone that has um faith, they'll go out and, and Google you. But what what is the best way for people if they want to learn more about things that you said where they should go and and, and reach out to? Thank you, Simon. We just made the website jessebradley.org. So you can check that out. It's got free resources, even marriage help, a series on hope, lots of practical stuff. It's all free. And then also on social media, Jesse J. Bradley, any of the, it was Twitter, Instagram, just Jesse J. Bradley. I look forward to connecting with you. Well, Jesse Bradley, it's been an honor and a privilege. You take care. Thank you for joining the Who I Became podcast. To help spread this inspiring story, be sure to share it with your friends, hit the like button, and of course, subscribe to our channel so you won't miss out on any future episodes. We'd also love to hear how this story impacted you. So leave us a comment on whatever platform you're watching us from. To learn more about this episode, our guests, or Simon, head over to SimonOzimo slash podcast and sign up to receive the latest information delivered straight to your inbox. Once again, thank you for joining us for the Who I Became podcast.